Father God, open your word to us tonight. Help us to see Jesus. Help us to understand. Help us to taste and see that you, O Lord, are good. Amen. Well, just after 8 p.m., this service will be over. And some of us will have to leave immediately. Some of us will, have, will be able to stick around for tea and coffee, not have to stick around for tea and coffee. Please do stick around for tea and coffee because you want to. Uh, some folks will uh, set everything down and tidy everything up. But before too long, uh, the music will have stopped, the lights will have gone out, and we're all going to walk, have walked out those doors and left the building. So my question to you all tonight is this. What hope are you going to walk out those doors with tonight? What expectation of, of the future will you have when you leave here? And what is going to give you peace when your head hits the pillow tonight? What's going to comfort you tomorrow morning, Monday morning with all its challenges when the news cycle tomorrow is probably more bad than it is good, and when life just seems to get harder, but, but maybe not better, what hope are you going to walk out those doors with tonight? Well, tonight we are finishing our series, Taste and See, We've been looking at the whole of God's story in the Bible uh, through the lens of some of the meals throughout the Bible. And we've been thinking about how each of these meals shows us something about God and shows us the goodness of our God. And tonight we are in the book of Revelation. And Revelation, you'll have noticed, it's at the end of the Bible because it shows us the end of the story. It gives us a glimpse into the future when Jesus returns. And tonight, we will see in the book of Revelation the only hope that is worth walking out those doors with. So let's jump in to our first point. If you like to write things down in, your, in sermons, and this is the thing to write down, first point, this is the best wedding ever. In our series so far, we've seen the life of Jesus, we've seen his death, we've seen his resurrection, we've seen his new life. And in our passages tonight, we get a snapshot of what his future return is going to look like. 19 verse 7 puts it like this, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come. Jesus the lamb will gather his people, the bride, to him and they will celebrate their union with a wedding reception like none before it, a wedding banquet more magnificent than anyone can imagine. And if the imagery of a wedding surprises you a little bit, please don't let it put you off. Instead, 
picture it. Picture the ideal wedding reception. Just imagine yourself there. Really see the dancing as the music plays and hear the laughter amongst the buzz of conversation. Feel the cool evening air as you talk outside with friends. Smell the food as it is shared out on the tables and savor the taste of it. Be refreshed by the drinks as toasts are made to the bride and groom and the new life they have together. Picture it. Because we so often make the mistake of thinking about Jesus' return as some kind of abstract, floating on the clouds kind of future. But taste and see the better reality of our future hope. We are invited to rejoice and be glad together. To eat of the, the fruit of the tree of life to drink the water of life. Jesus' return, his wedding supper, will be tangible, physical, real. We're going to be able to taste it, to taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And in fact, this is a wedding supper filled exclusively with blessing. Our experience of marriages and weddings in this world it can just as often be painful as much as it is good, but not this wedding. 21 verse 4. At that wedding... He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And again, really try and just hold that image really try and, and see the picture that's being painted here. You enter in to the wedding banquet from a world full of pain, but God himself is there. And as he welcomes you, he reaches out to you. His hand brushes your cheek wiping the tears from your eyes. Feel how physical, how tangible, how real that image is. Every moment of suffering, of grief, pain, disappointment, bitterness, frustration and failure, Every tear that we see in the world around us and every tear that we cry unseen, all of them 
wiped away at the wedding supper of the Lamb. No more curse, only blessing. And the sound of crying fades behind us, never to be heard again. What a wedding to go to. There's something we could walk out those doors with. A tangible, a physical, real hope for the future. The wedding supper of the Lamb. But that is, of course, if you're coming. If you want to be the bride of the Lamb. So before we think about anything else, uh, we need to think about how we, the bride, are getting to the wedding. We need to think about who is going to be on the guest list. And that is bringing us to our second point. Because if the bride is going to get married, uh, well, she's going to need something to wear. And looking at, uh, look at 19 verse 7 again. The wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's people. Well, there's the wedding dress. Righteous acts like fine linen. And the bride needs them if she's to be ready. If the bride, if we don't have these righteous acts, then I think the wedding's off. Then nobody's walking down the aisle and we're not coming to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And that might really raise some concerns for us because we might begin to think, will I need to earn that wedding dress? How many righteous acts do I need to get to the wedding supper of the Lamb? And it's going to be particularly concerning to us when we see the alternative to the wedding banquet. 21 verse 8. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars. Well, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. It's really hard to read that verse, isn't it? but we do need to see what happens if we're not coming to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And the thing is, if we read verse 8 honestly, we can actually see that that verse 8 describes something in all of us, and indeed in every person. We've already seen at the wedding banquet of the Lamb God will wipe away every tear from his people's eyes. And we can really see the beauty in that. But if we read verse 8 honestly, 
we realize that so many of the tears that need to be wiped away are our fault. So much of the death and the mourning and the crying and pain of the present world is caused by us and people like us. So if the wedding supper of the Lamb is going to be a place of true blessing, of exclusive blessing, without any tears, then we really shouldn't be there. Actually, we, we deserve to be in the fiery lake. We deserve the second death. So actually, is there any hope for us to walk out those doors with tonight? Is anyone getting to the wedding supper of the Lamb? Have another look at 19 verse 8. The fine linen that the bride wears is given to her to wear. Not bought by her, not earned by her, given to her. Jesus, our bridegroom, in his life, his death, and his resurrection, he has earned that wedding dress for us. And when he returns, he won't look at us and see us clothed in, in the rags of cowardice or unbelief or anything else in, in that verse. No, he will see his people clothed in goodness, in honor, in righteousness, fine linen, bright and clean, that he will give to us. And if it's something that uh, we can't earn, if it's something that has to be given to us, well, good news, that means it's free. And look at 21 verse 6. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. We can drink the water of life instead of the fiery lake. And it will cost us nothing. So if you're here tonight and you're weighed down by feelings of unworthiness, of guilt and shame, or you're weighed down by, by a fear of judgment, here is the hope you can walk out those doors with tonight. If you trust in Jesus as your Savior, well, then God has already poured out the punishment you deserve onto him, onto the lamb who was slain, the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. You do not need to fear the second death. Jesus has died once in your place to save you from it. Jesus has already clothed you in righteousness.
you can look forward to taking your place at the wedding supper, drinking the water of life, eating the fruit of the tree of life, if you want it, if you've accepted Jesus' invitation. And all of this helps us to understand why even the fiery lake is part of our future hope. Jesus' return will bring the judgment of God. But even in that, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because at Jesus' return, there will be true and universal justice for all the injustices our world has seen. There will be justice for every tear that has been shed. And we can be welcomed into that wedding banquet knowing that all sin all human cruelty, all spiritual evil, and even death is, is really defeated, is really done away with, is burnt up, and is never to trouble us again. At Jesus' return, the wedding celebration begins. And Anything that could cause us more tears is shut outside. Doesn't that sound like something good to walk out of here with tonight? I really do hope you've RSVP'd to this wedding reception, uh, but whether you have or you haven't yet, I do need to tell you about the venue. Look at it in 21 verse 1. Here's the venue. A new heaven and a new earth. Sometimes uh, Christians will talk about uh, getting to heaven or heaven being the place we, we kind of finally end up in if we follow Jesus. But look here, look and see, that's only half true. The reality is so much better. When Jesus returns, where will his wedding banquet be? What's the venue? A new heaven and a new earth. Everything made new. And again, I want to stress, uh, that's a really real, very literal hope that we can have. Let me give you an example. I wonder if you've encountered the term uh, climate anxiety. According to one study in a medical journal, The Lancet, uh, it's a term that can describe anxiety related to the global climate crisis. 
and the threat of environmental disaster. And I'm sure there are plenty of people in this room who really share that fear. You may have even come from a country that is already feeling the detrimental effects of the climate crisis. And if that is you, here's something you can take out those doors tonight. When Jesus returns, there will be a new earth. One without decay or pollution. Without disaster and unscarred by our mistakes. A world that is perfect and renewed and forever. And that doesn't excuse our responsibility that we have to look after the world that God has given us dominion over now. But it does give us hope that even though we've not looked after our world as we should have, and even if our world sinks deeper into crisis, there will be a new world. When Jesus returns, he will make all things new. And not just a new heavens, not just a new earth, a new Jerusalem, the city where God's people will dwell. Here's the bride. Here's the people of God also made new. And we already have a picture of what that's going to look like, of what we're going to look like when we are made new. We see it in Jesus. At the end of the gospel accounts of his life, uh, we see him after his resurrection. And Jesus is raised with the same body he had, but, but it's different somehow. It's a body that's forever, a body that's made new, and it's a physical body, and not just a spiritual one, it's tangible, it's real, and if we are in Christ, if we are followers of Jesus, well, then that is our future reality as well. So if you are here tonight and you're struggling with illness of any kind, if you know the fear or even the imminence of death, Here is a hope you can walk out those doors with tonight. When Jesus returns, you will be raised as he was raised. You too will be made new, never to die again. Our future at the wedding banquet of the Lamb is one of 
everlasting, abundant, physical, real life of the kind that Jesus has right now. We will eat from the tree of life, drink the water of life. We will never be hungry or thirsty again. We will rule over God's world forever, finally finding our fulfillment in our work, fulfillment and purpose. This is a wedding party that's never going to end in a venue that will last forever and is better than we could ever conceive of. But look, look and see the most wonderful thing about this new creation. Right in the center of the city, right where his people will dwell, is the throne of our God and of the Lamb. 22 verse 4, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light. Finally, finally, we get to see the one who died to save his bride. The one who gives us fine linen to wear and the water of life without cost. The one who gives us the inheritance of the new earth. Who gives us life. A real satisfying life forever. We will see the Lamb who is our God, our bridegroom. We will come together and feast and celebrate with him forever. His name on our foreheads forever marking us as his, as his bride, his beloved. The greatest blessing of the wedding supper of the Lamb is that we will get Jesus. Is that he will be there. We will look on the face of our God Gaze at him face to face, our beloved there with us. And there's really nothing more I can say that's going to describe quite what that's going to be like. Except that, that on that day, 
at the wedding supper of the Lamb, oh, we will truly taste and see that the Lord is good. So, in closing, do you have an answer to my question? What hope are you going to walk out those doors with tonight? If it's Jesus, if, it's, if your hope's in him and in all that he will bring at his return, well, then you can walk out those doors and you can face whatever the world throws at you. Because whatever the world throws at you, you are the victorious whose eternal future, eternal inheritance, is one of life and blessing with Jesus, your bridegroom. But if it's not Jesus, if he's not yet your savior, if he's not yet your God, Oh, please, please, don't, don't leave here without him. He really is the only hope that is worth walking out those doors with tonight. And if you ask him, he will be your Lord. He will be your lamb, your bridegroom your real living hope. Taste and see for yourself. He is truly, truly good. Let's finish in prayer. Wonderful God, giver of hope. Thank you we can have this real, this wonderful future to look forward to. Thank you for all that Jesus is. Thank you for all that he gives to us. Thank you that he is coming again and his return will be more amazing, more wonderful than we could ever imagine. Thank you we have this real hope to walk out those doors with tonight. And I pray that if there's anyone here who doesn't yet have that hope, Father, please help them to taste and see the goodness of Jesus in his name. Amen.